0: If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 9. That's where we'll be in Matthew chapter 9, starting verse 35 and continuing through chapter 10. Um, When I was in college, I didn't always make the uh, wisest decisions. Uh, On one trip that our Baptist student union took uh, to go do a worship service at a church about an hour away, uh, we were coming back about 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night uh, from doing this church service. And my roommate and I decided to do probably one of the dumbest things that you'd ever do. We decided to play freeze-out. The only problem was that it was December, about week before finals. And so we decided to roll down the windows going down uh, one of the highways between St. Joe and Chillicothe and play freeze-out. I decided to take a little step further, and I decided I was going to stick my body out the window. The only thing about that is, is when you have glasses on, you're going 65 miles an hour. Your glasses do not fit on your face anymore. They don't stay on your face. So there, about 11 o'clock at night, traveling down the highway, dark, my glasses flew off my face. For you that know me, I do not see anything without my glasses, so I'm trying to figure out, one, how do I explain this to my parents, and two, how do I take finals? Luckily, my roommate and some of the friends that were with us went and found my glasses laying on the yellow line after many semis had passed, and so I did not have to explain to my parents, and I was able to take my final. Here's the, here's the point of that story. What I should have realized at the time was I should not have stuck my head out the window. But sometimes the things that we realize we don't realize or we miss. And on a more serious note, I wonder if that's kind of what's happened in our lives as believers. Because I think when we look at, do we really realize what Christ is calling us to? Right? Christ has not called us just to merely wake up every day and to live and go about our day, but He's called us to live a costly, to go to to live, uh, called us to a costly mission that involves suffering and. Opposition, right? The last time I checked, we live in a very broken world that's full of sin, right? Just turn on the TV, open your newspaper, look out your window. We live in a very broken world. And if we live in a very broken world because of sin, we know that we live in a world that needs to hear the gospel, right? They need to understand who Jesus is, the fact that he has authority and power over death, over sin, right over everything right not only who Jesus is but what Jesus came to do right Jesus didn't just come to live here on earth but he came to die on the cross for our sins to die in our place for our sins and people are dying daily and go to hell because we have not they have not heard they have not received Christ as their Lord and Savior but as we go out and share as we live this mission that christ has called us to we also realize just as jesus faced opposition we face opposition as well and so as my prayer, as we read in matthew 9 and 10 that this these verses grip our heart to the point that we're willing to risk our reputation no matter where we're at and throw aside any fear that we might have and even if it's necessary to lose our life for the spread of the gospel guys there are more important things and people are dying, going to hell. And this to live out this costly mission is what it means to live and be a disciple of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that as we read your word today, it would grip our hearts. And as it grips our hearts, Lord, that we would realize um, the call that you place on every one of our lives, Lord. The call to to share the gospel, the call to be on this mission. Lord, it's not an easy mission. Lord, it's one that's faced with many difficulties and oppositions. Lord, help us to push through the fears of those oppositions and sufferings, Lord, that we would realize that we can't do this without you. Lord, I pray if there's someone out there that hasn't made that decision to put their faith and trust in you, to follow you, Lord, that today would be that day. Lord, we just love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. And so we read, starting in Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-five. We're going to see what this mission, this call is. Verse thirty-five. And Jesus went throughout all the circle, uh, sorry, all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they are harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. If we are to live out this mission that Christ has called us to, the first thing that we have to be able to do is to see the lost as Christ sees them. We need to see people as Christ sees them. We even see a glimpse of Jesus' heart here in verse um, 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had... Compassion on them. To have compassion is means to have the desire to relieve people's sufferings. Like people suffer because of sin, right? And so as he was speaking here and as he speaks into our lives, right, we suffer because of sin. And Jesus was compassionate. He had compassion on them. And so to Relieve people's suffering means that not only was He emotionally moved, but His heart was breaking. Right? We think about when we see loved ones suffering and hurting, our hearts break for them. But do our hearts break for those that are lost? Christ's heart literally broke for the lost. He had compassion on them because they were suffering. In my translation, it says they were harassed and helpless and some other translations it might be weary and warned um distressed and dejected. in other words they were in a good place right they were like a sheep without a shepherd if you study about sheep sheep aren't the most the most um um they're pretty stupid animals right (laughs) sorry i just went blank there they're pretty stupid animals they need their shepherd. And if they don't have their shepherd, they get lost and see what happens a lot of times. Not only was this happening back then, but in our day today, we're suffering because of sin. We, we think, I'm just going to run after the things of this world. If I can just have all the stuff over here, over here. If I can just be in this position or that position. If I can just have these things or that per these things or if I can hang out with this person my life is I'm gonna have it made. My life is going to 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 be satisfied, right? But here's the thing that we don't realize is every road that we think that leads to satisfaction offers ultimately emptiness in our life. Right? Why do we want more stuff because we get tired of the stuff that we had before? We want more because our lives our empty inside. And if you're really thinking about it, without Christ, we don't have anything, right? I can have the most things on this earth. I can be the highest in the highest position on this earth. I could know the most important people, but guess what? One, that's not going to get me to heaven and two, I can't take those things with me, right? Without Christ, we don't have anything. But these people are trying to strive after things of this world, we strive after the things of this world, and it just leaves us empty aside. We're like the sheep without a shepherd. And not only does do we need to see the loss as Jesus sees them, we also need to realize that they are eternally separated from God. In verse thirty seven it says, Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Anytime you see harvest in the scripture, a lot of times it deals with or associated with judgment. You see this in Joel chapter three, if you go there back in the Old Testament, you also see this in Matthew chapter thirteen. If you were to turn a few chapters later and talk about the parable of the 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 wheat and the the tares or the the wheat and the weeds, right? If you read that, the wheat gets separated from the tares and the, or, or the weeds and the weeds and the tares get get bundled up and thrown into what it calls the blazing furnace or hell, right? It's basically saying at the end times, we're going to be separated. Those of us that have a relationship with Christ, those of us that are righteous, and then those of us that don't have a relationship with Christ, those of us that aren't righteous, those of us that know Christ are going to spend eternity in heaven. Those of us that don't are going to spend eternity in hell. And when Jesus realized this, right, when Jesus, as Jesus knew that, knew that, right, he realized the condition that they were in. They were in such a desperate condition, right? He realized, or that he knew that the people who were separated from God, if nothing else changed, would continue to be separated from God, right? That's why he had compassion on them. And if we think about how much more true should that be in our day and time, right? If you look at some estimates, say that we have 7 billion people in this world. Over half of them, they say, liberal estimates say about 4.5 billion people are lost. Meaning if they were to die today, it would spend eternity in hell. We need to go out and tell them about Christ. Do we understand the urgency? Do we realize the gravity of the situation? And if we realize gravity of the situation, if we see the urgency, then we realize that we don't have time to waste our lives on things that don't matter because there's something that's infinitely more important that Christ has called us to. And so if we see the condition of loss, then we understand the commission, what Christ has called us to. In verse 38, it says this, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, in chapter 10, verse 1, and he, called him to, and he called to him his disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are, are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the Scariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we see in the first thing as we seek to go with urgency, we see in verse 38 that says to the harvest is there, Right. It doesn't say to go, but it says to pray. We'll get to the go part in a minute, but it says to pray. Because see, as a church, we should be praying as we are being sent out into this world to share the gospel, right? Over some entryways in some churches, it says now you're entering the mission field, right? We should be praying. We should be understanding. We should realize that every time we leave church, we're entering a mission field, right? A mission field doesn't mean that we're in Africa or Asia or some other place. It means that we're outside the walls of our church in a place where there's people that don't know Christ. An opportunity to share. You might be saying, well, I'm not called to the mission field. Jim Elliott, who was a missionary among the Aka Indians in Peru, who ultimately lost his life. By being killed by that tribe, lamented to the fact that so few were willing to go to the mission field in this day. He said this. Our young men are going into other fields because they don't feel called to the mission field. He says, We do not need a call, we need a kick in the pants. Guys, ladies, it's not about whether we're called whether we feel called to the mission field. As a believer, everyone's called to the mission field. And man, do we like our comforts and our conveniences in our life. But what happens when we're following Christ the way he's called us to follow him? Those comforts and conveniences get interrupted. And we're called to difficult places sometimes. We're called out of our comfort zone. And we need to be willing to go. We need to lay our lives on the table, fully surrendered before Christ and say, Christ, here's my life. Do with it what you want. And as He calls us to go places, we should go to those places without hesitation, without reservation. And see, as we pray as a church and as God sends us out, simply He might just send us out to our workplaces, not just merely to make a living, but to share the gospel. He might send us into our schools not just to learn, but to share the gospel. He may send us to to work with a people group or a church plant, in places where it's difficult to share the gospel, where people don't receive the gospel as much as some places, he may even call us to go live in a different country to work among unreached people groups where he calls we should go. And in chapter ten, verse one, we see this: what we see Christ summoning his disciples. He's given them commands. He's shown us what this looks like to go. And we see in verse. 8 says this Heal the sick, raise the dead Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons You received without paying Go without pay. Here's the first thing that we Need to realize We're to go To great need right? If you look at at what Jesus is telling them To the people that he's calling to This wasn't the people that Everybody's like hey go hang out with those guys That's the cool group Right those were the most difficult people, right? The sick, the people that were, were, were dead, the lepers, right? The people that were demon-possessed. But Jesus says, go hang out, go reach out, go share the gospel with those that are oppressed by this world, those that are ignored by this world, those that are different than you. And as I think about how it pertains to us, we're really good about hanging out with people that are the same as us. But we struggle to go hang out with people that are different than us, those that are living a different lifestyle, those that are living in a different culture, that are a different race, that are of a different background, those of us, those that are of a different faith, right? And last time I checked, none of us are, are are too good or above another person because we're all in the same condition, right? We're all sinners in need of Christ's grace to save, right? When I walked into a Mexican prison, when I went to Mexico, I wasn't any better than any of those people that were in prison. My life was no different other than the fact I was going to leave the prison that day, and they weren't. I was in the same position as some of them were until in 1991 I made that decision to put my faith and trust in Christ and to follow him. Right, But too often we think, well, I'm too good for that person their life has been horrible. I haven't been like them. We're kind of like the Pharisee that said, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not like them. We're all in the same boat. Not only does he tell us to go to great need, but he tells us to go to great danger. Verse 16 it says this, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness be- before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. We are called to go dangerous spots. Right? He uses the, the illustration of sheep among wolves. Last time I checked, a sheep among wolves is not going to do well right and to call them to to be like sheep among wolves right that's not where a sheep goes to hang out but this is a call this is a call of discipleship right in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 Jesus says if anyone wants to come after me he must deny himself take up his cross it means we die to ourselves we give up our wants and our desires for the wants and desires that Christ has for our life. And not only does He tell His disciples to go to dangerous places among dangerous people, but He's calling us to go there as well. See, we don't like that. The world doesn't like that because it's totally different than their thought process. They're like, well, whatever's dangerous, we shouldn't go there. We should stay out of danger's way. But that's what Christ is telling us to go We struggle with that. Even as Christians, we struggle with that. Right? Because people are like, well, you're foolish. You're you're clueless. You don't have any idea what's going on. You don't have any idea what you're supposed to do. Right? But it's not about what people think. It's about us being obedient to Christ. He tells them to be wise as serpents. Right? To be wise as snakes. And if we're wise as snakes, then we understand the culture that we're living in and understand that sometimes, even though we go without reservation or hesitation, that we have to be smart in our situations. Right? We, I shouldn't go out trying to be the hero looking for danger. Right? I realize that part of following Christ means that I'm going to be put in dangerous situations, be put in uncomfortable situations, but I'm not going to look for that. But I also have to be wise in how I go about sharing the gospel. Right? The gospel message is the same anywhere you go. But you have to be able to share it differently, right? You have to be aware and sensitive to the culture that you're in, the people that you're working with, and what you say. But then he also says to be pure as doves, meaning that we shouldn't give anybody any ideas or any thoughts or any legitimate reasons to accuse us of anything wrong or any immorality, right? We respond to things differently. We're not abrasive. We're not inconsiderate. We're not belligerent. But here's the encouraging thing that we see. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious um, how you are to speak or what you are to say. Here's the awesome thing. Christ not only called us to this mission, but he didn't leave us to do it by ourselves. We have help. He goes with us. right? He's always with us. Like, when we feel helpless, Christ is with us. And not only is He with us, but He gives us the things that we need, right? Why do we look anywhere else? Christ is sufficient, right? If everything in my life was taken away from me right now, and I just had Christ, that should be enough, right? I don't need to go out looking for other strengths or other things to help me in the mission that Christ has called me to, because what He gives me is sufficient, right? You might say, well, I can't do that. That should be their, your right response. You can't do it. We can't do anything that matters without Christ, without His power, His strength that He gives us. And then we see the next things. We see that we're going to be betrayed and hated and persecuted. And verse 21 says this, Brothers will deliver brother over to the death, and the father his child, and children will rise up against his parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciples to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they if they have called the master of the house beelzebub well, um, how much more will they malign those of his household? And so we see the first thing that we will be, we will be betrayed. Right? We don't really see this too much in America, but I've been in places like China where people come to know Christ and their family literally walks away, disowns them, sometimes turns them into the authorities. As we get closer to the end times, we will see that here in America, I believe. Right? We'll be betrayed by people that we think are close, our closest friends, our closest families, right? If you read scripture, Jesus' his own family really opposed him until they figured out who he was, his true identity. Right? We'll be misunderstood. We'll be betrayed. We also see that we'll be hated. Right? Be hated from by, by all types of people, right? From all all corners of the world. Why? Because they hated Christ, right? And so if, if, if they hated Christ and if our lives are identified with Christ, then we should expect to deal and experience the things that he experienced too. See, when we go into the world and do good things, people are okay with that. Right? When we do good things but don't say anything about Jesus, they're okay with that. But when we go and do good things and serve others, but also we tell them about how Jesus is the only way to be saved from sin and death and hell, then the world will respond differently. right? If you think about the Gospel and its very nature, it's offensive. People don't like to be told that there's only one way to heaven. You can't do it on your own. Someone else did it for you. The fact that if we make that decision, our lives have to change. People don't like that and then we'll be persecuted right it doesn't say if we'll be persecuted in verse 23 it says when they persecute you right it does again it doesn't mean that we're going out to seek persecution or that we're pursuing danger but we realize that part of following christ means that the opposition will come right and it gives the illustration right it a disciple is not above his teacher, nor is a servant above his master. So if we're not above Christ and Christ experienced these things, then we should should expect to experience these things. Because when we are conformed to Christ, when we grow in our likeness of Christ, when we become more like Christ, then we can experience and expect the way that they were spoiled to respond to Christ to respond to us as well. But Sally, for so many of us, we're prone just to be okay with religious routine and comfortable Christianity because it's safe. The world likes that. The world accepts us. They like us then. Right? If we can just go to church on Sunday and keep our faith to ourselves, then we're going to be okay. But there's a little risk in that. And I think one of the reasons for that is fear. Let me read verse 26 through 31. It says this: So have no fear for, of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what the hear, what they let's see, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs hairs on your head are are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are are more valued than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father in heaven. We see Jesus' words as comforting, right? Three times he tells us not to fear, right? But fear is one of the biggest obstacles to living this mission out, to going and sharing the gospel, right? And when we think about fear, really we become inwardly focused. We start focusing on ourselves, right? We're more we're more concerned about our social status than people's spiritual status. We're more concerned about our comforts and conveniences of our lives. And if someone knows Christ, we have to get past this. We have to be like Paul. Paul didn't care what people thought of him. He didn't care what he said. He shared the gospel. And that was what he did. When we see these instructions, we know it's difficult to follow Christ. We know it's difficult to live out the mission. But we need to trust Him. Right? When we put our faith and trust in Christ, we trust Him. We give our lives to Him to do what He wants. right? And trust that He knows what He's doing because He knows what He's doing because He created us. And as we trust Him, we need to depend on Him to give us what we need. Right? He gives us everything that we need. So let me finish and suggest these two prayers that we should pray as we seek to live out the mission that Christ has called us to. The first one's this. God, give us a supernatural awareness of the condition of loss. We cannot see the loss. We cannot see the loss as Jesus sees them on our own. We need help. We need God to help us to see those people all right around us, our families, our friends, those that we work with, those around the world. Right? Because when people die, they go either to heaven or to hell. And here's the second one. God... Give us sacrificial obedience to the commission of Christ. As a believer, that's our only proper response is to to be about the mission, to spread the gospel to those that need to hear it. Yes, the risk is great, but the reward is greater, not only for us, but for those that we get to share with that come to know Christ. So how is God calling you to respond to his word today? In a minute, we'll give you an opportunity to respond to that. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. Maybe you think, well, I can just live a good life, come to church, give an offering, read my Bible. That will get me to heaven. It's not about anything that we can do to get to heaven. It's about what's been done for us. The fact that, that really God had compassion on us. God came, sent his son to die for us on the cross, right? The death that we should have died, Jesus died for us, in our place, so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we can have a right relationship with Christ. So that's you. That's the first step, because in order to follow Christ, you have to know him. So maybe that's how you choose to respond. Maybe you'd hear these words and go, I'm not really living out the life that Christ has called me. I'm not really living this mission. What's keeping you from living that mission? And, two, or, and lastly, who is it that I need to share Christ with? Where does Christ call me to go so I can live out this mission? So however you choose to respond after I pray, if you choose to respond by making that decision, put your faith and trust in Christ, I'd love to meet you here up front. There's people here that I'll point you to that can share more about that. If you're looking for a church home, we'd be glad to have you here at National Heights. Maybe it's just to come to the altar to pray, to recommit your life to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, these words of Scripture today are difficult for many of us to hear. In fact, all of us to hear. Because they're difficult. But Lord, even in difficulty of your word, Lord, the things that we don't want to hear are the things that we need to hear the most. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to respond in the way that you are calling us to respond today. Lord, if it's to make that initial decision to put our faith and trust in you, to realize who you are and what you did for each one of us, that we would step out and make that decision. Lord, maybe it's to join this church, Lord, to be part of a a body of believers that um, encourages others to to go out and and to share the gospel. Lord, maybe it's simply just to come and pray, Lord, whatever you lay on our heart. Lord, I just pray that in whatever way that you lead us, that we'd be faithful to respond. In your name we pray. Amen.